We return once more, backlist and chill listeners, to a new season. Hooray! Finally. Yay. <laughs> Here we are at season 14. We have left behind so much in the garbage, and we hope that this season will be infinitely better. It has to be. Right? Like, there's no way. There's none. It's going to be better. That's yep. that's just the end of it. It's just, it is. It's going to be better. There's no way. That was that was rock bottom. Yes. Because I don't think we would choose, at this point, other authors that we were like, this sounds terrible, let's do that. No, I don't think we would. No. And because you've probably already clicked on the link and you've seen it, you know what we're doing. We are here, season 14, we are talking Melissa Mars' Wicked Lovely series. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. Our second fairy series. Clap, clap, clap. So excited, so excited, so excited. I want to start just, like, chat about... Our backgrounds on this one, okay, okay, because I don't have one. <laughs> you you don't? No, I've never read them. What do you know about Melissa Mar? Just in general, from what you've absorbed, I know she seems cool, mm-hmm. and I know that I've I've wanted to meet her and I wanted to work with her when I was like running conventions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Her her books, her wicked lovely books. People recommended them. You recommended them. Other folks as well people who knew i liked you know fey stuff and they always kind of sit in the same box as holly black Mm -hmm. i'm expecting them to be kind of dark fairy teen romance but probably not as gritty and realistic as holly black Mm -hmm. i know that they came out in the like height of young adult pnr Mm -hmm. and i know the covers are gorgeous she may have just the most beautiful covers of any of the books that came out in that era oh they were stunning every single one of them is gorgeous yeah i again pretty sure i remember the arcs coming in through the magazine and and all that and seeing those covers just being like wow that is super pretty so that I don't know any. I don't know the plot. I don't know the characters. And um, you did a whole bunch of research, and we were just looking at the bibliography. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no fucking clue that <laughs> she had has done like there are eight wicked lovely books with one as a short story collection, one that she's self publishing or like republishing and self publishing soon. So nine books makes it with the wicked lovely courts book. And then one, two, five more young adult books, and at least two, if not three, of those also look to be Faye. Mm-hmm. And then a whole last chunk of mid-grade novels. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten she had written as M.A. Marr with Kelly Armstrong, that that was their name. I remember seeing yeah. those books out there. And then fucking two adult series graveminder yeah like another fairy one that's adults so two adult ones and then random standalone adults and then a whole other <laughs> another pen name and then picture books and then graphic novels and then in part of anthologies <laughs> oh no those are anthologies that she edited she's oh, holy in shit. like dozens of other anthologies i did not put those in there because there are too that's- many <sighs> That's that's ridiculous. And you've said that her Patreon is super active. 
And then mm-hmm. she's just like thrown stuff there as well. Yeah, I joined her Patreon for this episode and Aww. I was scrolling back through it to just sort of see what she was doing. And like every other post is like, here's a thousand words from this thing that I just can't get out of my head. She doesn't even like say like, oh, this is going to be a book. It's just here, have this. Yeah, it's just a lot of here, have this. Like she did post like the first nine chapters of Dark Sun uh, before it came out. You know, so she posts stuff in advance of publishing it. Mm -hmm. But she also will just throw her fucking writing, our writing up there. And there's just so many different stories. I could not keep track of everything that was a snippet from every other thing. Like this woman, just like a popcorn machine. Got a lot going on there. Yeah. So so that's what I know (laughs) about (laughs) Melissa Marr. You know, she's got a lot of books. Yeah, she's got a lot of books. She does a lot of writing. She seems really cool. I'd wanted to work with her. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear that she is someplace, I'm like, oh, so cool. <laughs> she lives in California. Is that true? No. My fun fact about Melissa Mar is that she moved to Arizona right as I was moving away. Ugh. And I was so sad because she regularly will go to cons in Phoenix and stuff. And she, she oh. like, teaches at one of the local colleges. And I'm just like, really? You're like, Arizona? Right? Like, after I leave, like, I was there for, like, three years, and you couldn't... All right. That's fine. You, like, could have made my time worth it. Right? Could have gone to a con, seen Melissa Marr, because this was, like, I was into Melissa Marr while I was in Arizona, and then I moved away, and she moved down there. Okay, so so not California. So, so see, no. some of the stuff I know is wrong. Yeah, no, she's lived a whole bunch of different places. Like, I've been through her old website. I've been through her Tumblr from top to bottom. I went through every (laughs) single page of her Tumblr, okay? Oh, you're dedicated. I did. The only thing I didn't do was go through her Twitter or Facebook, but I do follow her on Facebook, and I followed her on Facebook for, like, eight years. So, you know, I've been taking it in. Yes, you've been in the trenches. Like, I'm ready to talk Melissa Marr. Right. But, um, yeah, no, she like she lived in California. She lived in D.C. at one point, And then she's currently living in Arizona. So. Okay. So she had at one point lived in California. Yes. Maybe that's when I had heard about it. Mm-hmm. So how about you? What's your background? I mean, you started to say it. You follow her. You love her stuff. How'd you hear about her books? Uh, so when I started getting into book blogging, I was just sort of reading through all of the popular paranormal romance series, and mm-hmm. I just grabbed Wicked Lovely. Obviously, it has the most beautiful cover. Yes. And I really liked it, and it was like, I was like 18, 19, and I was just starting to like try to like understand feminism and social justice, you know, mm-hmm. you know how it is when you're a full adult and you're just learning about these things. Right. You're like, why didn't I learn this shit earlier? Right. But like, you know, in the trenches of paranormal romance in like the late aughts, it was a dark place, everybody. Like some of those books, you know, it was the Twilight heyday. We were all in a, I know Twilight's had a reevaluation, but we were in those trenches with like, is Edward a stalker and that kind (laughs) of discourse, right? Right. When it was first being discussed. Right. And like in them hills, There was not gold. There was a lot of, like, shitty dudes and, like, real weak female characters. And... Ugh, God, the weak female characters made me so mad. This is just like, this isn't fun. These (laughs) girls, they're not fun. Right? It's a different sort of self-insert, and I get it, you know? 
That's know. everything's for different people. And also, you know, hashtag not all paranormal romance. But I would say that Wicked Lovely definitely stood outside of, of those because it was written like and we'll we'll get into it when we talk about the history of it, but like it was written with the premise of having a strong character and being very like feminist from okay. the outset. And like you can definitely feel that through the series and it helps it really stand out because fucking wicked lovely we got we got the gays. We got the bisexuals. What? We got the polyamory. You oh know? See no one told me this at the time. Yep, canon gays, canon buys, mostly mostly buys, honestly. Mm-hmm. And no, this canon- is this is this is frustrating because it's like people are just like, oh, it's really good, and I think you'll like it. That tells me nothing. You got you got to sell me on this because I'm dealing <laughs> with like you said all the all the shit that's out there and being like, no nah, man, paranormal romance is hard out there in the YA zone. <laughs> you can't just say I think you'll like it because it's got fairies. Like, no, it's got gay fairies, Ollie. Gay fairies. Then, then I would have been like, oh, I'm a little interested here. And then if you were like, yeah, no, like, it's meant to be like a, like a feminist angle on all this. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And be like, oh, it's a little darker. Ooh, okay, okay. It is, it is very dark. We'll talk about it. But like, it's also like 2007 feminism. So we'll see how it holds up. Sure, but sure. I, I remember feeling very different from the other ones and therefore being like, oh shit, it's a good one, y'all. This one you can actually recommend. And, you know, if you're being an asshole on a blog, you can be like, no, this is a good one, guys. So that was my history. It was one of the series that I enjoyed, full-throatedly recommended. I fell off at the end of the series. I have not read any more Melissa Marr books after Wicked Love. Impressive because she's got so goddamn many. No, I I own Carnival of Souls. I think I got it as an ARC, and I mm-hmm. literally never opened it up. I read, like, ten pages of Seven Black Diamonds, and I remember it being fucking wretched, so I put it down. Oh, no. Yeah. That's the one I remember seeing the cover of, too, during the magazine time, because there was, like, a gem piercing a petal. I think we talked about it on our other our old podcast. Yeah, I think it was a judge in a book by its cover. Yeah, because we definitely went in on that cover. It was very bad. Yeah, which is a shame. It is a shame. the Wicked Lovely ones are gorgeous. It's very funny. In all of her current Wicked Lovely books, like, they obviously try to do, like, the same cover art style as those first five. But -hmm. because a lot of them are self-published, like, they're not quite there. Like, they're fine Mm. covers. But they got that, like, self-published cover look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some of them go too hard on the highlights, is the thing. That's fair. It's weird how it can be that way. Like, I know we, we've we we've razzed on some self-pub covers before, but it is. It's like, it's just like a tone you can hear. It's like a, it's a style. And it's also the difference between photography and digital art, right? Yeah. Because those first five covers were photographs. Yeah. And these new ones are not. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to look at them. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I will be looking at them and we'll be discussing yep. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So you have read all of the Wicked Lovely series that's to date, right? No. I have read the first five and none of the ones that came after that. I read the first five and then the graphic novels, but nothing that came after that. Okay. So I'm going to tell us about the bibliography. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to read through the Wicked Lovely <laughs> series, something separate called Wicked Lovely Courts, even though it's one book, mm-hmm. and then her other young adult novels. I'm going to list those just in case down the line we decide we want to do them. Mm-hmm. So, Melissa Marr. In 2007, we have Wicked Lovely. In 2008, we have Ink Exchange, followed by Fragile Eternity in 2009, Radiant Shadows in 2010, and Darkest Mercies in 2011. That is a lot of books in five years. Like, not a lot, but it's like one book every single year, and they're they're pretty decently sized books. Yeah, they are not short. Yeah, so that's impressive. Uh, Still in the Wicked Lovely series, then in 2013, is Desert Tales. You put a note in here for me that says she got the rights back and is republishing it soon as self-pub. Yes. What What's that about? So Desert Tales is the novelization of the graphic novels that she, the manga, really, they're, they're American manga, that okay. were released in 2009, 10, and 11. So the graphic novels are not just a retelling of Wicked Lovely. No, they are a side story set in the Wicked How Lovely universe. Interesting. Okay, very cool. Yep. Uh, Then a gap in time from 2013, it moves to 2020 with an adult book called Cold Iron Heart. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep that there since it is officially Wicked Lovely series. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, so last year, a short story collection called Wicked Mercy. That is the official Wicked Lovely series. Then there's Wicked Lovely Courts with a book that came out last year in 2022 called Dark Sun. Mm-hmm. I assume that this is like a new series and we might see more of that down the line. Yes, cool. there are going to be more of them. And it is a continuation of Wicked Lovely set like a generation later. Oh, wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued because I feel like this is the first series that we may get to that is still active. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the first author who's still writing, but usually we're dealing with a series and it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And then the other young adult novels, there's Carnival of Souls slash Untamed City Carnival of Secrets um, from 2012. So that went after Darkest Mercies and before Desert Tales. Mm-hmm. Then Made for You in 2014. Seven Black Diamonds in 2016. It was part of a duology. Its sequel came the following year, 2017, One Blood Ruby. So Seven Black Diamonds and One Blood Ruby. And then writing as Tam Erskine, the fairy queen's daughter in 2019. That fills in a lot of the space between 2013 and 2020. Mm-hmm. And then just a lot of mid-grade adult. She has the Graveminder series. Uh, the Fairy Bargains adult series. I love that title. Yeah, writing as Ronnie Douglas, there's an adult series. Yeah, Ronnie Douglas is her romance novel pen name. Nice, nice. So yeah, there is a, there's a lot going on here. I notice um, <laughs> in the graphic novels, The Strange Case of Harleen and Hyvie, uh, Harleen and Harley. Is that a DC? Is that Harley Quinn? Yeah, she's doing a DC graphic novel for Harley. Gotcha. That comes out next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to do the first five. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Wicked Lovely, Ink Exchange, Fragile Eternity, Radiant Shadows, and Darkest Mercy. Those are all of the ones that are the Harper Teen 
Wicked Lovely series. Desert Tales was also initially published by Harper Teen, but it was, again, it was after the first five were done. Everything that she's published after that for Wicked Lovely has been self-published. Huh. I wonder why. She talks about it on her Patreon, and she basically just said that, like, she kind of got the self-publishing bug during quarantine. And, like, she'll still, basically what happens is, like, or at least what has happened in the past is, like, she'll write a book, she'll pitch it to her editor. If her editor isn't into it, she'll just publish it herself. (laughs) (laughs) So they get right a first refusal, and then she's like, eh, you refused. Basically. So, like, I'm pretty sure Cursed by Death, the sequel to Graveminder, which was traditionally published, is a self-pub. Wow, yeah, nine years apart. Yep, her entire Fairy Bargain series is just self-pubbed. This is amazing. Yeah, I know. All right, hold on. I want to say the names of these. So the Fairy Bargains adult series, Mm -hmm. they come one every year for three years and then a short story collection. The Wicked and the Dead, The Kiss and the Killer, The Hexed and the Hunted, The Fanged and the Fae. These are some silly titles. Yep. It's definitely got that, like, Kindle pub urban fantasy series, both look and vibe. But, like, she is still publishing novels traditionally. Like, she's got that Harley one coming out. She's got an adult book coming out in 2024 that's uh, traditionally published. She's doing both. She's doing both. This is fascinating and fantastic. I love it for her. But she's just, like, doing what feels good, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yep. All right, well, I'm ready to learn about this woman who All right. this is just like, eh, I'm self-pub. You said no. Mine now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I gave it to you. You don't like it? I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Which is so funny because usually uh, authors will be like, oh, you don't like it? Uh, maybe I can make it better. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I'll right. p- pitch it to somebody else. No, it does make me wonder, like, if we if we just, or if I just, whatever, just read one of her self-pubs one and, like, then read one of her traditionally published ones and just be like, what's the difference? Like, how much? Yeah, yeah. What's the polish difference? Absolutely. Because sometimes you, you know, you read something and you're like, wow, this is, you, you feel more free writing this self-pub. Mm-hmm. And then like, sometimes you read the traditional and it's like, ooh, this has really been toned down for an audience. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the same and, you know, a little bit more polished up with some editing. Who knows? I mean, that may be an interesting thing to do because, like I said, the first five Wicked Lovelies are traditionally published and Desert Tales, and then the next three are self-pubs, so we could be like, how do these feel versus the ones that were traditionally published? Are they print-on-demand or just um, digital only? Uh, No, you can definitely get them in print, but also you can just get them on Amazon, so. Yes, yes, yes. I made sure I wanted to get all the Wicked Lovelies in hardcover. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Let's hear it. All right. So uh, Melissa Marr was born in Pennsylvania on July 25th, 1972. Now, can I just say before we start, this woman is so cagey with her bio information. What? I only have the details that I have because I went through every page of her Tumblr and her Patreon and I went through the Wayback Machine. Like... I couldn't even find out that she grew up in Pennsylvania until I watched, like, five separate interviews. 
So. Oh my god. I love that you have just, like, been a little private investigator here. And, like, she's in Pennsylvania. And I was like, oh, cool. She's in Pencil- from Pennsylvania originally. Cool. Yeah. Like, if you go to her website from back in, like, 2008, she will literally only give the details. Born in Pennsylvania. Here's my date of birth. She wouldn't say where she grew up, where she went to school. None of that shit. You know what, though? That would be me. (laughs) I don't even know if I would give my date of birth. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was begrudgingly given. That's just like, here, you can have this. Stop asking. (laughs) That'd just be like New England. Figure it out. (laughs) That being said, all of this stuff is public information. Like, I didn't take any of this stuff from behind her Patreon paywall. This is all stuff that she said in interviews. You worked hard for this public knowledge. I did. I had to go so many places to find stuff that would just be in a normal person's fucking biography. But okay. (laughs) Especially considering so many authors are like, giving you weird details in their bios was like a super quirky, fun thing to do for a while. Oh my god, Ollie. You know what was on her 2008 webpage? Like 60 bajillion random facts about me. What's my favorite color? What do, (laughs) you know, do I have something pink on the desk next to me? Like all of that fucking 2008 LOL random bullshit. She'll answer all those questions, but won't won't fucking tell me where she grew up. All I want to know (laughs) is where you got your accent, Melissa. I'm sorry. That's all I wanted to know. It's a, it's a Pennsylvania, California, Arizona mix. I, yeah. DC, yeah. It genuinely might be Appalachian. I don't know. It also sounded a little Irish to me, which, like, her family is Irish, so okay, like, maybe a, a grandparent or something, but <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to, you'll, ha- I'll have to send you an interview because she has a very cute voice and a very, like, question mark accent. All right, all right. I will listen to it and see if I can pinpoint anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all that to say, she fucking grew up in Pennsylvania, okay? Yeah. Her fun fact that she likes to begin interviews with is that she grew up believing in fairies and ghosts. Like, she and her her siblings or cousins or whatever would not go into the woods behind their house because there was a banshee there. Like, <laughs> I think Holly Black also had that thing where they grew up believing in fairies the way, like, a lot of kids believe in Jesus and or Santa Claus. You know, it's yeah. just like, this was the folklore among my family. Of your culture, yeah. So that was what sort of spurred her interest in writing about fairies because she's always believed that was just a thing. Of interest to me, like we were talking about, you know, like uh, Holly Black being somebody who was clearly like acquainted with like blue collar being it, somebody who lived in like poverty and, and you could tell by the way she wrote. Yeah. Melissa Marr, also somebody who she talks about like they grew up very poor, like they ate what they gardened, like... How interesting. I wonder if there's a, you know, people who have lived more close to nature and your everyday stuff just get the fucking scariness and the weirdness of fairies. We'll have to see. Yeah. So she went to college somewhere, question mark, don't know. Know that she (laughs) went to grad school in North Carolina in the Raleigh-Durham area. Another thing that she talks about is that she had to, like, make the choice between tuition and rent and chose to live in her car 
for a oh while so that she could go to college and pay her tuition, which led to her getting the bartending gig that she talks about pretty frequently because that and the people that she met while she was doing that had a lot of influence on the dark fae of Wicked Lovely. Like all of them are bikers mm. and that's where she kind of fell into that culture. She, you know, she got her degree. I think she has a master's, if I remember correctly. Wow. And then she taught university for a while. She taught at high schools, like not as a high school teacher, but as like somebody who got loaned out. She taught for like 10 years and then started writing in like 2006. As we discussed, she currently lives in Arizona with her wife and her sons. And her wife? Her wife. She's a, she's a bi. She's a queer. Her wife? Yeah, no, it's it's her wife as listed on her biography, so yes. How interesting. So did she... So she got married in 1998 to a guy. Oh, okay. And she adopted his daughter, and there's the sweetest story, and I will tell you it because it's super sweet. And then she had a child with him, and then she adopted another child with him, and then question mark happened, don't know, none of my business, but they mm-hmm, separated... Mm-hmm. And now she has a wife and all three of them, like, care for the children. Oh, wow. I know, right? Samar really did fit in with the events that I wanted to drag her to. Yeah. She is queer. She is pagan. She has spoken about being poly at certain times. I was going to ask if that was a thing with the idea of it's like, you know, sometimes you co-parent, but... (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you're polyamorous yeah i i don't know what the situation is there but she has spoken about being poly nice yeah um one of the things that i did want to mention because she does again she talks about all this in her interviews and stuff um she is a rape survivor which you've mentioned yes which ties into like ink exchange is the protagonist is a rape survivor and it's it's her story yes right like you're not just bringing this up you're like this no is no to the to the story ahead folks. It, it is it's you know you can tell like a lot of this and she speaks about how all of it has informed the wicked lovely series because like it happened to her either before or in high school and she coped with it in high school by getting super into alcohol and drugs and like Mm. just having like a real rough time in high school to the point that her her principal refused to recommend her for college because she's just like girls like you don't make it oof i'm really excited for how angry these books are gonna be i because because having a sentence like that said to you as a high school kid these books are gonna be fucking angry Yeah, I know. And she does talk about it. Like when she's talking to like kids and stuff, she's like, don't listen to people. (laughs) (laughs) When they say that, you just, you just say, fuck you. Yeah. And she's very, I like learned a lot about her listening to those interviews and stuff. I just like her a lot because she definitely has that attitude of like, I'm going to be a respectable adult, but also don't listen to them kids, they're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to them adults. You know, like she's, she's definitely got like a very politely gives no fucks attitude that I enjoy. Mm. So I mentioned that she's been on Patreon. We, you know, we were talking about like, man, like she's been writing like consistently. Yeah. Which is interesting because she kind of had an LJ Smith happen to her, right? Like, so she says in 2016, she had a bunch of hospital issues and then a stroke in 2018. Oh, shit. She said that the reason, one of the reasons that she's on Patreon was that it was a way to ease herself into writing, which had fallen Mm. by the wayside while she was becoming healthy again. 
Right, right. Like you said, like you said, Jane, but she found a way around it. Right. She said, I considered quitting writing entirely and I had to live on savings and odd gigs from 2016 Ugh. to 2019, which is wild because she definitely published books in those <laughs> years. Yeah. Right. And then following. Yeah. And in the years following, she said she couldn't produce novels quickly and her limited mobility meant that she had to focus on her health, which is also wow. so funny because like every post I've seen from her on Facebook is like, hey, guys, I'm doing like my sword class today. Like, <laughs> I had no idea that that had happened to her because like my whole impression of her social media presence has just been like her swinging a sword. So, <laughs> or like going out with horses and stuff or doing hiking. And like, obviously wow. there was a reason for that, but it's just very interesting right. that like. Trying to be healthy. Yeah. That all of this stuff happened to her and, and you know, this is how she sort of reacted to it. Um, but anyway, wow. she said that uh, indie publishing and Patreon have been like part of her getting back into writing and writing longer things. And that makes sense because like a lot of the things that I've seen her publish have been short stories or novellas. Okay. So like maybe them fairy books are real short. Like, I don't know. True, true, true. So that is Melissa Mars' biography as a person. Wow. She's, yeah, I always, like I said, she seemed cool. Mm-hmm. And she's more cool than I knew. She is cool. All right. Here's part two. I have this broken down into three different sections, okay? On Melissa Moore? Yes. And her history? Yes. So, in terms of writing, there's so much shit about it. It's just really interesting, okay? Like, I called it down as much as I could. Fucking go for it. This is what we're here for. This is what this intro is for. So, like, kids will get up and ask her, like, how did she start writing? She said she started writing in sixth grade after an English teacher told her, like, so she had really terrible nightmares like so much so that the fucking parish priest came and talked to her parents like about whether or not satan was involved but what like the fuck? I know. what the fuck i know i know right but her teacher told her that there were two possibilities either satan wanted her or she was meant to harness her creativity and write. So like <laughs> Or both perhaps. I or mean. both. So like she'll she'll ever talk about how like some of the stuff that she includes in like Wicked Lovely and presumably like her thrillers and shit have been like based on her awful fucking nightmares. So Damn. That's I cool. feel a kinship with uh, Melissa Moore. <laughs> Um, so she decided she wanted to write then. <laughs> Can you imagine if instead she chose, mm, Satan wants me then? I know, right? Well, maybe she did. You know, she is pagan. We don't know. Like, she's a yeah, pagan queer. Like, for some people, that is surrendering to Satan. True. I think she said both is good. Yeah, yeah. So she decided she wanted to write when she was a kid, but she didn't actually start writing until she was fucking 30. Okay? What? So she was just like, I want to write, but Satan's calling is too strong. Well, she also, like, was really focused on, you know, getting into college. She was getting her fucking master's. Like, you know, she was busy. Yeah, she was doing a lot of shit. Having a family. Yeah, no. And she got married pretty young. And then it came with a kid. Like, I'm 40. I can't imagine waiting till now. Yeah. She was worried that she couldn't provide for her family and also be a writer. I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah, so she was focused more on being a teacher. But then her husband, who at the time who was a Marine, was deployed overseas during the early days of the Iraq War, right? Mm. 
Um, and she wasn't able to keep in contact with him, but like she was hearing, God, I don't know if you, if the kids out there remember, I remember how fucking rough it was post 9-11. Like my dad was in the military. We were watching TV 24-7 while he was deployed. Like mm. it was really rough. And so she, her husband encouraged her to write as a way to sort of take her mind off of what was going on with him. Yeah. So she wrote some short stories and poems in 2004 that people told her were the start of a novel. So in 2005, she wrote a middle grade novel and started querying that. And while she was waiting, she turned one of the short stories that she had written into Wicked Lovely. Okay. When she finished it, she started querying agents. So she, get this, this is fucking wild if you know anything at all about publishing. Which I do. She finished Wicked Lovely in January. I know, I know you'd love this. She finished Wicked Lovely in January, queried agents, picked an agent in February, what? sold the book in a multi-book co-acquisition with the US and the UK in March. What? Yeah. So like three months. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your book is good then, clearly. Yeah, clearly. From starting the book until selling it at auction. Wow. Was like six months. What the fuck? Yeah. So here's the thing, though. She comes from a background of being a literature professor, right? Like she didn't go to school for creative writing. She went for teaching books. Which honestly is really a good way to go about it. I think that going to school for writing Mm -hmm. often doesn't give people like enough of a background on stories like Mm -hmm. go go study folklore you know go go study books go study film yeah it's definitely like when i was listening to the way that she was talking about things in her super early fucking real media player interviews for the first wicked lovely book she was talking a lot about like symbolism and allegory and like one of the quotes that she said that I really loved was that like speculative fiction enables us to take dangerous realities and cast them in a framework where we can talk about things that aren't always comfortable. So like this bitch is thinking about framing from day one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it makes sense. You can see it. This is going to be very interesting. A writer who is trying to tell a story is just ah what a breath of fresh air Mm-hmm. it all feels very intentional like successful i don't know it's been a long time since i've read them but right right we'll see when we get there yeah certainly i felt they were successful once upon a time right but they're very intentional so that's very exciting she's very oh my god she's such a prose person like Again, on that 2008 website, half of her FAQ is just her fucking diagramming sentences for readers. She's on her website trying to teach kids like... (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it's always like that from the asks on Tumblr, right? Like, how do I be a good, good writer? Is my story okay? And she's like, get in here. Yeah, she's like, let me sit you down. Let me let me explain to you about run-on sentences and how sometimes they're okay. Like, there are so many questions that are just her explaining a sentence from Wicked Lovely in terms of grammar, and it's delightful. So she thinks a lot about her craft as something other than just, here's a story I want to tell, you know? Yeah. There's a character I want to explore. No, yeah. she's like, I got an idea. I'm going to tell it. Yep. The audience is going to 
walk away with an experience. Yes. And one of the things that she will say and has said frequently is that she wrote Wicked Lovely for her daughter. And because she wrote it for her, she thought a lot about the heroine and the heroine's interaction with the love interests and the heroine's interaction with like society. Mm -hmm. I really liked some of the ways that she talked about. So one of the questions that they asked her in those interviews is like, what's your take on writing for younger readers? You know, that question where it's like, we've always talked about how AB sort of pulls their punches because they don't want to put inappropriate things in there for kids. Melissa Marr started talking sort of like that, where she was like, well, I take it seriously. And I have to, you know, I do think about like, you know, what this is going to convey to younger readers. But for Melissa Marr, that equals writing about safe sex. (laughs) Like, she's not out here like, not writing about sex. No, she's out here like, well, that that made me feel like I had to write sexually responsible characters who talk about condoms and stuff. Amazing. Amazing. See, this is that is the angle I want authors to take. Right? Like, I have a responsibility to educate my yeah. audience. It's exactly that. And then she's like, but I would also do that if I was writing for adults. So I don't know if I'm actually writing that differently for teenagers. <laughs> but like one of the things that's really important to her is that she says she doesn't want to pull any punches. She doesn't want to talk down to kids and she doesn't write any differently for kids than she would for adults. Mm. And that's one of the things that she said is that when she writes a story, she doesn't write it for adults or as YA she just writes it and then she gives it to her editor and her editor is like this is YA or this is adult (laughs) here you go have a book what do you tell me wow you tell me what it is I don't know I'm not gonna change the way I write but that's good that's so good yeah the only time that she actually does think about that obviously is when she's writing for like middle grade right 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 But at the same time, she said that she wants YA to be a place for teens. She doesn't want to be pressured to write more adult books as YA books. It's one of the things that she'll say in interviews and stuff. She'll be like, I'm glad I have adult readers. Like, that's great. I love you. But this isn't, this is for teenagers. Like, I'm writing this for teenagers. I'm not going to put more sex in because, you know, because you guys are asking for it. She's like, no, this is a book for teenagers. Go write your own fanfic. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that being like, look, we are not the audience for this. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what she said. She doesn't want to cater to an adult audience under the banner of YA. She wants, like, teens to have books that are for them that are not, like, pulling punches or anything, but that are not, like, adulted up because that's what sells. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool because that's a conversation that I know that YA is still having is like, are we catering to adults or are we writing for teenagers? Some of them really do feel that way. Yeah. She says that she does write queer characters. She's been openly bi for most of her life and that her characters are flexible is what she says. So she writes more bi characters than anything else. Nice. Uh, so as far as Wicked Lovely goes, the series that we're actually reading. Yes. Like I said, she wrote Wicked Lovely for her daughter, who was 12 at the time. Um, her daughter wanted to know why there weren't books with, finger quotes, unusual people as the heroes. And as a side note, which I loved, I think I might have found this on one of her tumblers or something. When her and her husband got married, 
he was going to take her name. And their daughter objected and said that moms should have the same name as their kids. So (laughs) Melissa Mart took her daughter's last name as her legal last name. That's real cute. Super adorable. She says, I would have never changed my last name for a man, no matter how much I love him. But when her daughter asked, there was no debate. She added her surname to her own. I thought that was very sweet. That is very sweet. Just being like, you know what? Fine. Yeah, right. I wonder if he, like, added her surname to his. I don't know. That's very sweet, though. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we talked about the publishing process for Wicked Lovely. It was released in 2007 in both the U.S. and the U.K. and debuted as a New York Times bestseller. Jeez. This might be the most well-received book that we're starting out on. As, as far as, like, commercially? Probably, yeah. yeah. Because all the others were like, here's your first, and then you, you know, yeah, you get somewhere. And, like, even, you know, the Vampire Diaries were, were big, but mm-hmm. I don't think they were this big. No, this one certainly got the push, right? Because it got them pretty covers. They went full in on marketing. You know, it debuted on the bestseller list. So, like, clearly... Yeah, that, that right there. I don't think that happens <laughs> to most of the ones we've talked about. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. But it makes sense for this type of book in this era for that to yes, happen. It's like, such a that. It's that. It's this type of book in this era just hit right. Right. Like, I'm sure if we picked out, like, any fucking Twilight knockoff book in this era, it was probably on the New York Times bestseller list. Like, these <laughs> things were just so popular. But yeah, Twilight came out in 2005. And that Melissa says that that was while she was writing Wicked Lovely. Okay. And that she didn't read it because she knew that she was writing something similar. Gotcha. She's very, like, adamant about that, which I enjoy. She's like, I understand that that's probably why it was popular and why it got picked up. And, like... Everybody wanted the next big thing. Yeah, but, like, I didn't read Twilight and I was not influenced by it. So please don't call (laughs) it a knockoff because it wasn't. She said that it was inspired by uh, fairy folklore, obviously, specifically, and I don't know if this is something you'd be familiar, some king, some fairy king named Angus, who couldn't find his summer until he found his queen. Uh, sounds vaguely familiar, but it's not one of the ones I particularly care for. One second. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Ah, yeah, it is the Angus I was thinking of. He's one of the Tuatha Dé Danann. I have no idea what that is. Royalty of the Fae? Uh, let me see if a uh, supernatural race of the Irish mythology, like the the, the Fae folk. It's that's what Tuatha Dé Danann okay. is, and he's well, like one of the heroes of it. Okay. Very very common name in, in Irish folklore. I'm sure. But yeah, she says this was based on that story, which makes sense because that is the story. It was set in a town that she made up based on towns that she grew up around. So it's not set in a (laughs) specific place. Um, And again, the biker stuff is based on some bars that she went to around college. And the dark court, again, almost entirely bikers, like dudes in tattoo shops. That's the dark court, which is very fun. It's very interesting how that ends up being such a fey trope these days. Biker fairies? Well, like, bikers and the tattoos and just all of the alt culture. Where it's like, that is your supernatural. That's your fairies and your vampires and your werewolves. (laughs) 
I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, feels like it fits, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's one last thing that I thought was cute, like, in terms of, like, the push that Wicked Lovely got. Yes. She said that, um, like, you know, obviously it would not have been as successful if it wasn't acquired by people who didn't believe in it. And, like, because they believed in it, they pushed hard. Mm. She says that her editor wore fairy wings to the in-house launch. And she got a fucking Wicked Lovely tattoo for the second book. What? Her subrights team at Harper sold the book into a bunch of different languages. Um, In two of those countries, she earned as much as she had for her initial U.S. deal. Holy shit. Her German publisher showed up at a panel that she was at with his book jacket on his fucking tote bag. With the Wicked Lovely one? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she said that her U.S. cover was so stunning that it's the cover in like a bunch of other countries, all because a photographer and the Harper art director made this really amazing cover that they gave to her book. So her team really, really believed in this series. Yeah, they fucking stepped up. And like that's that's the fucking dream right there. It is. I know this is such a a different story than you hear a lot of times in publishing where they're just like hey we're gonna publish this but like hire your own marketing team you know (laughs) but good luck earning out this thing and you're just gonna be we're gonna own you you're just gonna have to keep giving us more books yeah (laughs) right damn to have a team so excited by your story and your characters i know i know it's incredible uh, the only other thing of note as I was crawling back through her Patreon. So <laughs> Wicked Lovely has been optioned since 2008. Okay. Oh my God. For a film, which isn't super weird because sometimes studios option things. No, just... the, the weirdness is that it's been so long. Yeah. But um, so she says from 2008 to 2018, it was optioned. Okay. And then it was optioned briefly after that. Um, and then in 2022, she signed an agreement for another team to adapt the movie. Interesting. What's that now? 15 years? She's been like, it's in development. It is still in development. Some stuff, it takes a long time. You got to be at the point where the technology is there. Well, she was talking about like, even back in the day, how like Weta was coming on board to design her fairies. Ooh. Wow. And she had seen like all of these. She said she says she has an art book of designs oh. for her fucking fairies that were just the never fuck? happened. It's amazing. Yeah. Charmed. Utterly charmed. <laughs> you know, as of 2022, December 1st at 2.24 p.m. Um, <laughs> she, Stamp it. It's it's back in development, so okay. Well, it's not right now because everybody's on strike. But... This is true, and you know what? We can wait. We've waited long Fuck yeah. enough. Absolutely. It's just like, hey, there was COVID, so nothing's happening. All right, things are starting to happen. Fuck you, pay us. No, no. Well, then you don't get anything. <laughs> yeah, which good on them. Seriously. Oh, and then one last little fun fact: you can play through Wicked Lovely. On your cell phone as one of those chapters romance games. Oh, interesting. Have you have you downloaded it and played it? I did briefly, but it's one of those games where it's like you have to pay to unlock each next chapter, and I don't oh. have that kind no, of No, I don't love that. 
Um, but I liked that she did that. She did it herself. Like she. Oh, that's cute. Was so the money goes to her company. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it goes to her, but she did the adaptation. Very cool. Which is is very funny because it also ages up the characters so that it can have explicit sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that will get you paid. It will, especially in those chapters. That's what people are paying for. So. <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was a fun little thing. And that That's was amazing. fairly recent. Uh, so yeah, that is my fucking Melissa Mart info dump. Only Wicked Lovely related. Trust me, there's plenty more information on every other fucking series and book she's done. So This is this is like a weird combination of how we have so much info on like LJ Smith and Amelia Water Rhodes. But like, I don't know shit about this person. <laughs> yeah, right. This is all new information for you. It is. I I love that she's so chatty mm. and forthcoming about everything except where she's from. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Where'd you go to college? I did, in fact. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Genuinely, those are her answers. It's very funny. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I look forward to it. And obviously, you, you look back on these with fondness. Mm-hmm. Selling a lot doesn't mean they're good. But in this case, I'm hoping that it will. Yeah, I certainly have gotten more hyped to try them again after having, you know, done all this research and learned all this stuff. Like, it makes Excellent. me excited to read books. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what will be, wow, this is really impressive for the time to mm-hmm. be having these conversations. And then what is like... Ooh, yep, that's a that's a dated, you know, mm-hmm. feminist angle there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing like who the characters are. Mm-hmm. I guess like I don't because again I don't know I don't know anything about them. Actually, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. I was I wanted to read the the blurb, but I usually don't read the blurb until I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you want to know? Well, I just wanted to read it for people who are listening. Do you want to do a thing where like? I read it, and I just don't read it to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Rule number three. Don't stare at invisible fairies. Ashling has always seen fairies. Powerful and dangerous, they walk hidden in the mortal world. Ashling fears their cruelty, especially if they learn of her sight, and wishes she were as blind to their presence as other teens. Rule number two. Don't speak to invisible fairies. Now, fairies are stalking her. One of them, Keenan, who is equal parts terrifying and alluring, is trying to talk to her, asking questions Ashling is afraid to answer. Rule number one, don't ever attract their attention. But it's too late. Keenan is the Summer King, who has sought his queen for nine centuries. Without her, summer itself will perish. He's determined that Ashling will be the Summer Queen at any cost, regardless of her plans or desires. Suddenly, none of the rules that have kept Ashling safe are working anymore, and everything is on the line. Her freedom, her best friend Seth, her life, everything. Fairy intrigue, mortal love, and the clash of ancient rules and modern expectations swirl together in Melissa Mar's stunning 21st century fairy tale. All right. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. 
We will see you all next time mm-hmm. on Backlist and Chill Season 14. We're going to talk about Wicked Lovely by Melissa Marr, and there will be drinking, but hopefully not because of the book, just for fun. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.